0: In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, dear fellow redeemed. I have a distinct childhood memory. I was perhaps six or seven years old the day that our teacher took the class on a field trip to the Milwaukee Museum. I don't remember much about the Milwaukee Museum except I do remember standing in front of a display, an open window in the wall, and it was mostly dark on the inside, except for points of light. And in the middle of this darkened room with points of light on the wall was suspended, seemingly in midair, planet Earth. Planet Earth, as you would see it from space. And my six-year-old eyes were as big as dinner plates with wonder, wonder to be able to have this view from outer space of planet Earth. And I imagine that if I could swing a leg over that wall and enter that darkened room that I would literally be walking in space. That's a six-year-old for you. But that's a sense of wonder, a sense of wonder that we sometimes miss when we grow to adulthood. I miss it sometimes. I think if I were to find a similar display in a museum today, I would probably stand back and say, well, that's nicely done. If I stepped in there with my flashlight, I'd see how they did the lighting for the stars and see the wire that they used to hang that globe from the ceiling. And I would have lost something. Would have lost something with that experience. A child, though, well, it's no wonder that we sometimes call the childhood years, the wonder years, especially at Christmas time. Isn't it true that it just enhances the whole season when you're celebrating Christmas, when there are small children present? Because in that moment, when the family's gathered, they're not thinking about how they're going to have to take the garbage out or how much this costs or who's going to cook and who's going to clean. No, they're filled with wonder at the experience before them. And adults very often seek to recapture our own sense of wide-eyed wonder when we see these things once again through the eyes of a child. Thankfully, we don't need to be little children at Christmas time to have that sense of jaw-dropping, open mouth wonder. You don't need to be little children. You just need to have a childlike face. Let's visit, once again this evening, the humble home of the Virgin Mary and wonder anew at how the Holy Spirit, sight unseen, makes Christmas possible. Here, with the wondrous miracle of Christ's incarnation. <clears throat> you know, truth be told, we live in a world that's constantly filled with wonders all around us. And they happen with such regularity, we often fail to take notice. How often has a person in the morning gotten up and their basic attitude is Pfft, the sun's up again, another day, another dollar. And if you really consider the miracle that's going on with the planet Earth, revolving at a constant rate on its axis just perfectly and hurtling around the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets all going in their God-appointed courses precisely so that that sun can rise on your new day. Well, when you think about it, you join in with the psalmist who in Psalm 19 said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Perhaps later that same day, you might find yourself saying, look, it's raining again. Well, at least I guess the grass is getting watered. Not really appreciating the wondrous nature of how God made the world for the water to evaporate and collect and the rain to fall, and for that teeny tiny little seed in the ground packed with information about itself and how to make another shoots forth a green leaf that reaches for the sky, captures the sunlight, and makes its own food. So the animals can eat, and we can eat. We lose our sense of wonder, I think. Perhaps that same day, you might hear an announcement and go, oh, look at there, isn't that nice? So-and-so is expecting a baby. And not really pause to think about the miracle that has to happen for that to take place. Not just one miracle, but a series of God-made absolute miracles for a conception, a human conception, to happen inside the mother's womb. It happens mysteriously, sight unseen, inside of the mother, where entire encyclopedias of information, provided by the father on a microscopic scale, meet entire encyclopedias of genetic information that's provided by the mother. And these two do a divine dance and combine and peel off and become the very tiniest beginning of a brand new, unique person with unique encyclopedias of information about who they'll be and what color their hair and eyes will be. And that begins to grow and grow and grow and needs many other miracles to actually result in a healthy human birth god himself creates a new and unique body and soul on a scale that we can't even see once again the psalm writer gets it the psalm writer said in psalm 139 speaking of the lord You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And when you think about the miracle of the formation of heart and lungs and brain, hands and feet and fingers and toes, all ready to be working on their own at the moment of birth. Well, the psalmist cries out, as should we, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. These wonderful miracles are happening all around us. We take them for granted, even though, especially in the case of the beginning of a new human being, it's a miracle of God each time. A miracle, yes, also in a different sense, a terrible tragedy, because ever since, our first parents, Adam and Eve, Every conception has been marred by the presence of sin right from the womb. As we all know that David confessed in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, the day of his birth, and in sin my mother conceived me. My conception and yours was certainly not immaculate. I had a sinful father and a sinful mother, and so did you. So that conception is made by reason of sin, doomed to being lost, doomed to spiritual death, apart from God-provided salvation. Out of the billions of people who have ever been conceived and born, every single one was born into death except for one. Out of the billions of people ever conceived and born, every single one the result of a sinful father and a sinful mother resulting in a sinful child, except for one. And here in Nazareth, we have the most astonishing, wide-eyed, jaw-dropping wonder of them all, Let's pay a visit, shall we? We enter really a glorified village of Nazareth in a dusty Galilean town and make our way past a small, perhaps bustling market to a certain humble home, probably of hard-packed earth, perhaps with tiles for a roof, perhaps just thatch. And we find ourselves in front of a window and we're given the opportunity to look in to look inside the window and what do we see we see an unassuming girl perhaps about 15 years of age sitting is she spinning thread is she cleaning we don't know but she's of humble means and she's probably just doing the routine chores of the day that she'd done day in and day out for a long time suddenly In such ordinary circumstances, we see something that's super extra ordinary. Suddenly, in the bright glory of God, the angel Gabriel appears and addresses the young girl, and she's frightened at first, but he tells her not to be afraid. Identifying himself, I am Gabriel, an angel. I've been sent to give you this message. You're going to conceive and bear a son. You're going to name him Jesus. The Holy One will be called the Son of God. And in all simplicity, Mary asks, how? I don't understand how this can happen. I've never had that kind of relationship with a man. And the angel tells her, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Her conception would be an exceptional conception, to put it mildly, if you think of the person of the almighty, eternal Son of God in glory in heaven, being willing to come down to a humble human state on a microscopic scale, mysteriously in a holy miracle done by God's own Holy Spirit, inside this young woman's womb. It was in this way that God the Holy Spirit, sight unseen, would bring about the divine incarnation. Jesus, the Word, becoming human flesh. As John wrote about in his gospel in the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and a little later on, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of truth. The wonder of it. Just imagine Jesus becoming truly human, true man, and yet at the same time, very God. And that meant that this child, when he was born, Well, he would be hungry, he would cry, he would raise his tiny clenched fist to the cold night air of that first Christmas morning. This truly human child would grow up to be tempted in every way that we are, tested in every way that we are, yet without sin. He would suffer indignity and mocking and shame, He would bleed, he would suffer, he would die, things that only people can do and yet this very self-same person would be able to give sight to a blind man to walk on the water to heal leprosy to restore useless limbs to raise the dead he would be able to save the wonder of the ages This incarnation is God's special gift to you. For this holy one to be born of the Virgin Mary had a mission, and his mission was to give you his perfect righteousness that you could in no way earn. His mission was to take upon himself your sin and guilt, to pay the price of it to the very end, to the very end of his life, he would solve forever your original birth defect and give you a new birth and certain promise of eternal life in heaven. Now we are told that Mary, for one, did not lose her childlike wonder at these things at the when they all came true and she gave birth to the Savior. We read it in Luke chapter 2, that she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was filled with wonder, as are we. You know, it kind of makes me think that we're all like a six-year-old standing at that window display, except it's not a display of the earth hanging suspended in outer space. No, we're standing at the window of that humble home in Nazareth, witnessing these events brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And though there is a grown-up, adult, jaded part of us that might be tempted to step inside and say, okay, where are the strings? These people are actors. Who made up this story? Because the world does that. Says there was nothing wonderful happening here. Somebody made up the story later. We might be tempted to have a jaded view of these things, as the world does, but no. Instead, we stand in genuine wonder, knowing that it's not a made-up story, it's what actually happened. It's what actually happened by God's plan, through the power of the Holy Spirit, sight unseen, that began inside this young woman's womb, in order that God might keep his every promise to us. And it comes to you today, sight unseen, by the power of the Holy Spirit giving you witness to these things. Ponder it as Mary did, admire it, praise God for it as you sing in your heart as we do the Christmas hymn, a great and mighty wonder a full and holy cure, the virgin bears the infant with infant, uh, the virgin honor pure. Repeat the hymn again, to God on high be glory and peace on earth to men. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.